Welcome to the Pokemon Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is. I am the aforementioned Pope. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. It is episode 251 of the podcast. Quite impressive. And I've got a good sized act one, not the biggest act two. And then we're. I've got to look at the history of this week's movie where I think I've nailed the, the reason why um, this film was such a bomb. Okay. So very excited about that. Uh, hold on. Eleanor's having me undo a sticker. Where are you going to put this sticker, Eleanor? You should put it on in your book of stickers. Do you know where that is? No? Okay. Well, I'm going to start it off. Here. There you go. Take that. Take that. Okay. Go. Go. Okay. I love you. Bye! Look. I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't care at all. I know that a lot of people are saying, hey, get in line. Hey. We all need to join together and fight the same fight. Like, I, I, I don't care. Fuck Joe Biden. Yes. Fuck uh, Hansy Joe Biden. Fuck uh, Joseph, let me smell your hair, Biden. Fun <laughs> fact, his full name is Joseph Gordon Levitt Biden. Oh, really? Isn't I did not fun? know that. Yeah, yeah. Fuck Joseph Gordon Levitt Biden. Screw this old angry, old angry horny nut job. Fucking douche waffle can't even string together a coherent sentence anymore. Boomer piece of shit. Fuck this guy. Yes. Like, like, really? This is who you've chosen to save us from Trump? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, he's really going to put our our nation back together. An angry great-grandfather who probably cried during Green Book. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. But see, the fucking thing is, is that the establishment Democrats really don't give a fuck about Trump. Okay? We give yeah. a fuck about Trump yeah. because we're the ones who are going to be hurt by Trump. They're not going to be hurt. They're all fucking yeah. rich-ass millionaires. Taking corporate money, you know, Joe Biden tells yep. billionaires things essentially won't change. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Fucking awesome for you. Yeah. So, so fuck this guy, Joe Biden, who has a history of running his mouth off and touching women and voting against gay rights and voting for the war in Iraq. Yeah. A guy who's so self-conscious about his advanced age and his oncoming dementia that he can't be trusted to answer simple policy questions without also challenging someone to a literal goddamn push-up contest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If this is who's going to come and save us, save this nation, save this whole goddamn planet, then we are in fact royally screwed. Yes, we are. Beyond a doubt. Chosen cool fun smart nerdy valedictorian elizabeth warren 
Or you could have chosen a cool older uncle who gives you your first drink of beer, Bernie Sanders, and I'm I'm still rooting for him. But no, it's it, it, you know Super Tuesday comes and goes, and and who comes out victorious? Diet Trump. Yes. You know, and it's so disheartening. So now that the smoke is cleared from Super Tuesday and all that, I I, I am now comfortable to uh, putting my endorsement on what I believe to be the only candidate that can wipe the slate clean, the giant meteor of death. Yes. See, the giant meteor of death promises to make everyone equal by crushing all living beings on the planet equally. Yeah. You know, that's equality. That's the equality that I'm looking for. So this November... It doesn't matter who you vote for, because the odds are we'll all be crushed to death by uh, by then, by the only valuable, viable candidate, <laughs> Giant Meteor of Death 2020. That is who I am voting for. That is who I am putting uh, my resources behind. Eleanor, stop attacking your brother. Get down. Get down. Get down. I will take that sticker away from you. Okay? Stop it. I personally have been kind of rooting for the the coronavirus. Yeah, that's you understandable. Know, that's that is under. That's me though, but you know, I think it's a it's a it's a plucky little pandemic. You know, who yeah. who probably yeah. deserves its time in the sun. Yeah, you, you know? know, like hey, let's let's give the newcomer a chance. Yeah, I feel I, the same way. I've really gotten to feel incredibly conflicted over this whole election. You know, like, I want Bernie to win because, like, he makes me feel a little hope for the fucking world. Yeah. You know? Like, actual change. But Trump's not stepping down, so that's really not fucking happening either. You know, not that that's Bernie's fault. No, but that's not going to fucking happen either. So, so like, I I, I don't care. Let's just all vote for, for a potted plant. Miss mittens, get Mr. Lobo on the line. Let's get fucking Miss mittens and all vote for her because it's not going to fucking matter because Trump is not going to step down. But the thing is, is if we don't get the win, then that's just going to keep give everybody the fucking excuse to put bury their head in the sand for the next fucking four years and not accept the fact that we are living in a dictatorship right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take Trump refusing to leave office for people to wake up and be, you know... Yeah, for people to finally realize the 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 gravity of our current situation. I think this might be a dictatorship. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not going to happen any other fucking way. So so like Bernie Biden Tulsi Gabbard who Christ knows let's vote for her just cuz she's a little engine who could you know, she, nobody even knows she's alive anymore. And she's just like, 
giving speeches at local 7-Elevens and Dunkin' Donuts, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you you stop to pump some gas in your car, and there's Tulsi Gabbard trying to tell you why she should be president, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because it, 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 it doesn't matter. Let's vote for somebody. Let's make them win so that we can get on to the next part of this. Yeah. Yeah. This all just seems so long. Yeah. You know? It doesn't help. It doesn't help matters that Trump never stopped the campaign. No. You know? No. He has been campaigning since he has been campaigning for president since the day he was elected president. Mm-hmm. And he's never stopped campaigning for president. And it makes this all feel so goddamn long. Yeah. Longer than it actually is. And it's just, it's maddening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Bunny! Yes. It's important to keep up with the news. It's our civic duty as an American. It's just that it's sometimes hard to do that on account of how quickly we as a nation has gone from the land of the free to the land of the disgusting porta potty at a music festival that is tipped over and is also on fire. Yes. Well, fear not, because the Pope on Film podcast has your back with the news that you may have missed with the Pope on Film news smatterings. Dun, 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 dun. It's just a smattering of news. The news that you may have missed. And it's not a lot of it. It's a smattering. It's a smattering of news. News smatterings. A a small side dish of news. Yes. You know? Yes. It's not not an entree. It's a side dish of news. Yes. Bunny. Yes. The coronavirus may be killing people, but you know what the coronavirus is not killing? What? The one thing that cannot be killed by any disease. The porn industry. Oh, of course. Hooray! Yes, coronavirus porn is the next big thing. Really? Yeah, it's going viral on Pornhub. There's so many videos. If you search coronavirus on Pornhub, it pulls up over 100 videos, most of them involving face masks and hazmat suits. And this truly is a testament to human perseverance. No matter how bad something is, the internet will find a way to porn it. Yes. You know, and, and it's like, in a way, you've got to be, you know, you can you can be moved by this. You know, we're still out there pouring it up. Yes, we are. Yeah, so good for us. Bunny, yes. seminal hip-hop group Public Enemy has officially parted ways with its oversized clock-wearing 9-11-hating hype man Flava Flav. And it's all because of Bernie Sanders. Yes. So I, first I miss off, white exactly. Go, yeah, yeah. Let me let me let me try and explain it all to you. First off, Public Enemy now goes by Public Enemy Radio, 
Not sure why. It might be a label thing. Yeah. Secondly, uh, Flava Flav has missed a number of big Public Enemy shows lately, like the Glastonbury Music Festival. He didn't show up. Uh, Public Enemy played at a big time Harry Belafonte benefit. He didn't show up for that. He's also been missing photo shoots and recording sessions. So he was already on double secret probation. Uh huh. And then the uh, public enemy announced that they would be performing at a free Bernie Sanders rally, and Flava Flav refused. In fact, he even sent a cease and desist letter demanding that public enemy stop using his likeness to essentially promote a political candidate when Flava Flav himself hadn't endorsed anyone for president. So that was the last straw, apparently. And Bernie Sanders effectively broke up public enemy, just like he would break up big banks if he was made president. Yes. So it's the end of an era. No more flavor flave with public enemy. So <laughs> that's sad. Where are they going to find another uh, manic screamer who can wear giant clocks? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's not something that anyone can do. <coughs> Bunny. <coughs> and who exactly yeah. is Flavor Flav supporting? This is kind yeah, of what... he's not supporting anyone. So that's why he didn't want to uh, appear at the Bernie Sanders rally because Lord knows Public Enemy has never been political. Yeah, no. That's not. Then yeah. It. it yeah, I've, I, it reminds me of those people who, who are like, oh, man, I've always been a big fan of Rage Against the Machine. So I went to go see them in concert. And I was really surprised to see that they were bashing Trump. It's like, <laughs> wow, leave, leave politics out of this. And it's like, oh, yeah. So I, I imagine that when you were like in high school and you were hearing, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me that you thought they wrote this about their moms. Yeah. They're, they're called Rage Against the Machine, for Christ's sakes. What are you expecting? Yeah. 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 So, so it's strange that Flavor Flav would be, whoa, whoa, since when is public enemy political? Yeah. Guys, you don't need to calm down. So, yeah, so that's a bit ridiculous. Funny. Have you heard of Greater Idaho? Greater Idaho. Not Idaho, but Greater Idaho. I think she might have been a stripper on Arrakis. Okay, let me let me let me explain it to you. It's a possible new state. Okay. Which would be Idaho and a number of eastern Oregon counties that are very Republican. So Idaho would entirely be replaced with uh, what is essentially Idaho Mach 2, hope you like our new direction. (laughs) And that would be Idaho plus Republican counties in eastern Oregon that are sick and tired of how liberal and democratic the entirety of Oregon is. So, so see, there's a big group of conservatives in Oregon, but they're separated from the more liberal parts of Oregon by the Cascade Mountains. 
And now all of these Republican counties have formed a group called Move Oregon's Borders for a Greater Idaho. And they're trying to get these counties in Oregon to secede from the state. Huh. And so Idaho would be replaced by Greater Idaho. And wouldn't that be crazy? I mean, there's no way it'll ever happen, but at least they're keeping busy, you know, and not shooting people. Well, yeah, that's 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 weird. That's like that's like, okay, we need our own state for our cult. Yeah. You know, not because. (sighs) Yeah, I I mean, to to secede from a state like, okay, so like Staten Island seceded from New York City. And if you look at Staten Island, it makes fucking sense. Staten Island is total suburb, okay? They have houses on Staten Island, okay? They have streets, you know? It's not like any of the other four remaining boroughs now. So that you can see that somebody like a place like Staten Island has a very different set of priorities from the city of New York. Yeah. Okay. So they secede. Long Island, where I was raised, we had talked about seceding from the rest of New York many times because of its population and a lot of other reasons and how, how, most of our money, our tax money, was funding Albany roads, you know, and things along this line. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Those are there's reasons. All these Republicans, there's but, all these Republicans that are pissed because their counties are more rural, and it doesn't matter how they vote, they're never going to match the voting power of the big cities in Oregon that are all liberal. So they're just fucking pissed. And they're like, there's a ton of us Republican counties, but we're just getting screwed by, because, you know, because of the big cities that are all liberals. So fuck it. We're, let's move. Let, let's become Idaho. Yeah. But to me, that sounds more like let's go start our we, we need an individual state to start our cult. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's absolutely no way it'll ever happen. But like, hey, at least at least you're meeting with like-minded people and having fun, you know. Yeah. I mean, other people other people just join a bowling league, but you know, yeah, if, if you want to join, yeah. I mean, at least you're keeping busy. <laughs> Finally, Bunny, here's a bit of unsurprising news. Uh, what action movie do you think is also one of Donald Trump's favorite films? I don't think you'll ever guess, but... Uh, what action movie is one of Donald but, Trump's favorite? Oh. Favorite I don't think you'll guess, but like, do you want to venture a guess? No, just, just go for it. There... Okay. Uh, one of one of Donald Trump's favorite movies of all the movies in the world, Begotten. 
I'm just Begotten. kidding. I'm just kidding. Not that one. <laughs> okay, no, okay. No, no, no. Uh, one of his favorite movies is Bloodsport. Bloodsport. The Jean Claude Van Damme's. Yeah, Bloodsport. Because people have recently unearthed a 1997 profile of Mr. Trump in the in New Yorker magazine, and in it he professes his love for this movie. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker about it. Because right on brand for Trump, he would have his kids fast forward the VHS tape so that he could watch Bloodsport in 45 minutes. <laughs> and not have to sit through the entire hour and 45 minute movie. That's so Donald Trump. Yes, it is. That he can't be bothered to see the, yes, I can watch the movie Michael in about 39 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So that's so Donald Trump. He's impatient to watch a shitty movie. That's, yes. that's pretty much on brand. Also, it makes a lot of sense that Donald Trump would be a fan of Bloodsport because Bloodsport is entirely based on a lie. I think we discussed this on the podcast. I'm not sure. But, uh, Frank Duck was a veteran and a uh, karate master, and he was uh, shopping a like a novel about his life. And while he's talking to people, he would always, you know, tell these stories about his his time in Vietnam and all that. And he said, well, you know, when I was in Vietnam fighting the war, I engaged in a lot of secret, illegal death fights. They're called Kumite. And I was a blood sport champion and so they made a movie about it and then his name was all over the place and eventually it took like kung fu magazine to say you know what we call bullshit on this we're gonna look into it and they're like oh yeah look at this uh we're kung fu magazine and we know all of the greatest kung fu people in the history of the globe and none of them have ever a, are, it, it will come out and say that what this frank duck guy says is actually true and he, Frank Duck said, oh, well, it's a secret tournament. Of course, no one's going to tell you the truth. And then eventually everyone realizes, oh, this is all just bullshit. <laughs> this is all just some douchebag guy, like, lying. And then it turns out he wasn't really a veteran in combat, that he was, like, I don't know, like, he was catering the war or some shit like that. He was barely yeah. in the war. But yeah, so it makes sense that like Donald Trump's favorite movie is a lie because Donald Trump's entire life is also a lie. So it makes a lot of sense. Yes. I, I, what, I'm, what I'm thinking is what I find kind of amusing about choosing Bloodsport is Bloodsport to me has always looked like a bad remake of Kickboxer starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. We'll continue in a moment. Yeah. Kickboxer, which still yeah. kind of amuses me, personally. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the news smatterings this week. Be sure and join us next time, whenever I uh, have enough tiny stories to 
compile into a smattering of news. But join us next time. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes. I'm not telling you or anyone listening that you have to watch professional wrestling because you. But what I'm saying is, is that everyone really should be uh, paying attention to the behind the scenes aspect of American professional wrestling, because that shit is just as crazy as what's going on inside the ring. So, yes, it's been a while, but it is time once again for the Pope on Film Wrestling News. <laughs> yes. So, Bunny. Yes. Bunny. Yes. Things have been crazy <laughs> in the world of professional wrestling. First off, a while ago, Lucha Underground's first heavyweight champion, Prince Puma, also known in the indies as Ricochet, was in WWE NXT. That's the smaller third brand, which is used as a developmental brand to train future, I wouldn't say superstars, future mid-carders. So Ricochet was in NXT, and he was very popular, and he was very successful there. He was winning titles, and, and he was quite successful in NXT. But see, the problem is, all big decisions are still being decided on, not by writers or producers or all of the people who help make these shows. No, all of the decisions are still uh, being decided on based on the whims the random whims of a narcissistic 74-year-old Trump-supporting billionaire, and that's crazy. A lot of people who have left the WWE have said that it's difficult performing to an audience of one, that if you want to succeed in the WWE, you don't perform to win over the fans, you perform to win over Vince McMahon. Okay. And that he's the only person who decides anything. So really, you're just going out there to please him, not to please the audience or to please the, the, the people on Twitter or the writers or the producers. No, you're just pleasing one dude. So the reports at the time say that Vince McMahon did not like NXT's top, top stars. He's like, I don't like these guys in NXT. I don't know their appeal. And I, I don't think they'll be successful at all. I, I, don't, I don't understand why all these NXT fans are, are, are liking these people. So a handful of NXT stars were bumped straight to the main roster and Raw with no plans for them whatsoever. There were okay. no plans. It's just that Vince McMahon wanted to see them fail. And so he got a handful of wrestlers from NXT and dropped them into the middle of Raw with absolutely no long-term plans, and one of those people was Ricochet. And he did good on Raw. He was a mid-to-upper-mid-carter. He held the U.S. title. He was known for his high-flying uh, Lucha Libre, Lucha Underground style. He yeah. even got a big title shot against Brock Lesnar at WWE Blood Money 2020, which happened a few weeks ago. Well. That pay-per-view happened, and Jesus fucking Christ, Vince McMahon strikes again. Ricochet lost in nine seconds. Okay. And now Vince McMahon is burying his career, which is so sad. Uh, Eleanor, this is a can of pumpkin? 
You don't even know what this is. This is like for cooking pumpkin pie. This isn't something that I can just open up and just, oh, look, there was a pie in this can. (laughs) If you're hungry, I've got your plate of lunch that you didn't bother to eat. You want to eat that? Do you want to eat that? Because I'm not giving you anything else because you didn't eat your lunch. You, you, You had like four bites and said, oh, I'm not hungry. And then I'm like, yeah, but when you do get hungry, I'm going to give you your lunch that you refuse to eat. You can't just snack all day and not eat the actual meals that I prepare. Okay? Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> so, uh, Rico- so Ricochet's being buried, which is so sad, because you need to build up future superstars. Yes. But Vince McMahon isn't doing that. Vince McMahon doesn't care about building the future of the WWE. He's He just cares about now and is not caring about a year into the future, five years into the future, ten years into the future. Uh, case in point, Vince McMahon just gave 50-something Bill Goldberg the WWE <laughs> Universal Championship for shit's sake. Oh, good God. No, you are not gonna- Vince Mc uh, Goldberg is the champion. Goldberg <laughs> is is the champion on SmackDown, and then the champion on Raw is uh, Brock Lesnar, who is like a part timer who you barely see. Yeah. Vince McMahon put short term ratings gains over building new superstars and doing what the fans want, and it's sad. What happened was is that uh, when it comes to the big. Um, uh, Saudi Arabian pay-per-views, the people of Saudi Arabia care more about old-time WWE than the current WWE, so they always want older superstars to headline that, so they said, oh, we'll dust off Goldberg, we'll give him some millions. I'm not opening this can of pumpkin for you, Eleanor. And uh, and they said, oh, we'll, we'll give him a title shot and he'll lose, and then that'll be that'll be fine. But when Goldberg showed up at SmackDown, that gave SmackDown the highest ratings that it ever had on Fox. Really? Because, yeah, and and the ratings were so high that Vince McMahon said, okay, different plans. We're giving Goldberg the championship. So, like, he's, he's like, 53. The last match that he had was against The Undertaker, and uh, Goldberg did so bad that he, like... he almost crippled the Undertaker in his last match. Really? Before, yeah. Well, not, yeah, not, it, not surprisingly. You know, I yeah. mean, I, 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 I get the feeling that the Undertaker could be crippled if he has to bend over to pick up a can of peas that dropped off the shelf. Yeah. You know, I mean. So, so going into WrestleMania, it will be Goldberg versus uh, Roman Reigns for the title. And, and and speaking of WrestleMania, there is a chance it could be canceled. But it probably won't because Vince McMahon cares about money more than he cares about a disease killing people. <laughs> you know, they canceled yeah. the South by Southwest Music Festival. Uh, the new James Bond movie has been pushed back to like September. And, uh, you know, things are moving, things are changing. And uh, so so what's happening now 
oh, well, next month is WrestleMania, where hundreds of thousands of wrestling fans will converge in one spot. People from all over the place, Germany, Italy, China, Japan, all in one massive building, coughing on each other while they watch a 53-year-old cripple Roman Reigns. Like, that doesn't sound like an exciting WrestleMania. That sounds like Ground Zero. Yes, it does. You know? You gotta cancel this shit, Vince McMahon. But, like, he, but like he's not gonna lose money. That's all he cares about. Yeah. All he cares about is money and ratings. And so he's gonna, he, like, like he, he, they're saying all the things. Stephanie McMahon has trotted out in front of the media. Oh, well, we are, we are, we are monitoring the situation. We are having meetings every day. We are staying safe and we will do what is right. Just kidding. This is our biggest money maker of the year. Like they can't cancel a WrestleMania. They've never canceled a WrestleMania and they won't despite the fact that people will probably die from this WrestleMania. Yes. That is fucked up. It's like, wow, the WWE is really killing it. It being the fans, people will die uh-huh. at this WrestleMania. You cannot have, you can't do this right now. This is the worst. Yeah, so that's a lot of news. And I didn't even get to Matt Hardy's situation. But, What's, what is Matt Hardy's uh, situation? So Matt Hardy has been buried in the WWE. He, when he left the WWE last, he went into the Indies and he started this weird, bizarre cult leader character, and he was broken, Matt Hardy. Okay. And he talked. He would talk. Biz- he would talk strangely in this weird voice, and he had this bizarre laugh. and And he had this. And then he joined Impact Wrestling, and he was a big hit there. And it was half half a joke and half serious. And he was this cult leader, and he was broken, Matt Hardy, and he would delete people like like you will be deleted because my brilliance. And he, he was like this this bizarre cult leader preacher character. And he had this great feud with Jeff Hardy because Jeff Hardy was like, "You need to stop this, brother. I care about you." And then eventually, like Matt Hardy beats Jeff, and Jeff becomes a disciple of Matt Hardy, and then they they become even bigger. It, like they even had one like impact show of uh, their TV show from directly from Matt Hardy's compound. And it was, it was filmed earlier and edited and, and it, it seemed as if it was impacts impact wrestling's attempt to, to be Lucha underground. Okay. You know, this is being done at, at the compound and Matt Hardy will bury his opponent and, and maybe Matt Hardy does have powers and maybe all of this, this crap that he's saying is real. And, and apparently Vince McMahon was a big fan of broken Matt Hardy. So Vince McMahon rehired Matt and Jeff and, uh, and apparently Matt Hardy had, had kept his broken Matt Hardy character legally. He owned that character. Okay. So Vince McMahon was like, yeah, no, we'll have you come in and we'll have you do that. But just to test it out, he did. And when he came back to WWE, he didn't do broken Matt Hardy. Vince McMahon had him do woken Matt Hardy. Okay. 
And it was fun and I really dug it, but eventually Vince McMahon soured on it and they just, he kept Mad Hardy off of TV. He was burying his career. He was having him lose all the time. And so this, the beginning of March, Mad Hardy's contract was set to expire and, and uh, he started doing a YouTube series because AEW, All Elite Wrestling, the big uh, uh, rivals to the WWE right now, they got started primarily based on the popularity of an indie stable known as the Bullet Club. Okay. The Bullet Club was founded by Cody Rhodes in a very popular indie tag team called the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks were they were they were as popular as the NWO, but they weren't on a TV show. It was sort of like like an under like a grassroots campaign to build these indie superstars. And so the Young Bucks started a YouTube series called Being the Elite. And it was very popular on YouTube, and they did it for years, and that was so popular that that helped get AEW on the air. So now Cody Rhodes and the Bullet Club and the Young Bucks, they're all on AEW, and they're very successful, and they still do their YouTube series, Being the Elite. But Matt Hardy was getting desperate to leave the WWE, where he wasn't being treated right. So he started his own YouTube series a few months ago, and his was called Freeing the Delete. Okay. Which was seen as an attack on the WWE because you're burying Matt Hardy, and also seen as a, hey, will I be joining AEW? Wink, wink, maybe I am. Because being the elite and freeing the delete. And so he, he did his own series where he was trying to stop being Mad Hardy and go back to being who he was before. But first he has to confront himself and fight himself and bury his past. And it, it's all it, very confusing. Just imagine um, Mad Hardy presents The Lighthouse. Okay. Is basically that, that what he's been clears doing that up. <clears throat> Yeah. Like, like it makes it makes no sense, but it makes a lot of sense. But don't think about it too hard. I'm sure you have questions. They won't be answered. You can answer them, but there won't be any real answers. And it, it's all pretty vague. And so, it, but there were also rumors of like, this could all be an act. Maybe he's staying in the WWE. And then there were rumors that Vince McMahon doesn't want him on WWE but maybe he could go to NXT and be, be a big star there and all of this stuff. And, oh, maybe he's going to AEW, but maybe he's not. I'm not sure. In, the, in AEW right now, there's an evil organization called the Dark Order, and they're uh -huh. like an evil cult. And uh, That sounds so, like fun. I, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, but for a while they've been teasing the fact that like, oh, there's a leader and he will be coming soon and he will be leading us. So, so everyone's like, Oh, is that going to be Matt Hardy? Is that going to be Matt Hardy? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. And then like in a, in an episode of AEW a few weeks ago, they showed for a few seconds Raven in the audience. Okay. And it's like, Oh, is Raven the head of the dark order? Or maybe that's a fake out. Who knows? Yada, yada, yada. So eventually, uh, Matt Hardy, he, his contract expired a couple of days ago. 
His contract expires a couple of days ago. He does a video. He says, I am officially not in the WWE. Uh, I am a free agent. I am not signed to anything. I'm not signed to anyone. And everyone's like, ooh, I wonder where he's going to go. Could he go back to Impact Wrestling? Is the WWE going to rehire him? Is he going to show up in NXT? Is he going to show up in AEW? So finally, episode 10 of his YouTube show, Freeing the Delete, went on the air a few days ago. And it's all about how, okay, I need to bury myself. And then when I bury myself, that only then when I die will I be able to be resurrected back to uh, who I need to be, who I need to become. And so Matt Hardy's preparing his compound and getting ready for the ceremony. And then suddenly a car pulls up to his compound and the doors open in the car and AEW's The Young Bucks come out. Okay. And they're like, hey, Matt. And they're like, hey, Matt, how are you doing? And, and they're the Young Bucks. This is cute. And then Matt Hardy looks at them and says, the Bucks of youth. I knew <laughs> you'd come. And that's the end of the last episode of Matt Hardy's Freeing the Delete, which, although it's not official, everyone now takes as being, holy shit, Matt Hardy just left WWE and is now going to AEW, and that's a big fucking deal. Cool. Because he, he wasn't released from the WWE. Well, Matt simply let his contract expire. And that means that there is no clause that allows him to, that, that will force him to not be on the air. That is usually what happens. Oh, you want off of WWE? Fine, but here's a clause that says you can't be on any other wrestling promotions yeah. for like three months, six months. So have fun staying relevant. But he, Matt let his contract expire, which means that any second he could appear on AEW. So it's a pretty exciting time. Cool. Well, you know? well, well how, how big is Matt Hardy anymore? So does this really pump AEW? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so, because his broken Matt Hardy character was just weird, stupid, awesome. Yeah. I really, it was, it was strange to see Matt Hardy completely reinvent himself into this strange, bizarre character. And it's like, you know what? It looks like you're having fun and uh, you're really weird and people are paying attention to you. Like, like I like the old Matt Hardy, but just fucking good for you, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, I, I never really liked the old Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy was always a bit of a stiff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so now that Matt Hardy will be going to AEW, uh, Jeff Hardy has been cleared for action in the WWE. He just got out of rehab, and, and, and they're like, oh, we don't know if we want to put Jeff Hardy on the air. He has a history of drug abuse and a history of alcohol abuse and drug addiction, and he's injured right now, and we think we're just going to let his contract expire, and Oh, wait, Matt Hardy's going to AEW? Jeff, we want you on Raw next week! <laughs> and so that's kind of sad. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's all about ratings and about money. And so they're going to give Jeff Hardy a push now only to screw Matt Hardy. And also, they're probably going to continue with uh, WrestleMania, even though it will kill people. <laughs> really 
really exciting time to be paying attention to the business aspect of professional wrestling right now. Yes. Is what yes, I'm indeed. Saying. Yeah. So that's the wrestling news this week. Be sure and join us next time, uh, whenever I feel like it, for more Pope on Film wrestling news. Bunny! Yes. We've still got a, a, a big show. We've got uh, some new movies to talk about. I've got a small but really cute um, Steve's Historic Approximations. I think I figured out exactly why the movie Cats bombed in theaters, and I'm really proud of that. Okay. So, but before we get to any of that, before we get to the exciting story of Fort Wayne, Indiana's mayor from 1932 to 1947, Riveting stuff. You're going to love hearing about Fort Wayne, Indiana. Before yeah. we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. All right. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do, 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 and break. Break. There's more stupidity than hydrogen in the universe. And it has a longer shelf life. Missionary Position Impossible. Something unknown, something unforeseen, something unspeakable lives below. And it lives to destroy. They have risen. We created the perfect soldier from cheap hoodlums and thugs in a good number of pathological murderers and sadists as well. We call them the Totem Corps, the Death Corps, creatures more horrible than any you can imagine. From beyond the dead, from beneath the living, from the depths of hell's ocean, everything they touch will die in the deep. Shock waves. Give me the flashlight. We'll be left with nothing but that oil lamp. You don't need it. I need all the help I can get out there. Now let me have it. Starring the Masters of Shock, John Carradine and Peter Cushing. You are indeed very stupid. Now it is too late. Now the total horror has begun. Now there is no way out. Now the ocean becomes a graveyard. you run the quicker you die because once they were almost human shock waves the deep end of horror 
And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Buddy! Yes! Right before the end of 2018, my wife signed me up for the AMC Theater's A-List, which is a monthly subscription service where you get up to three free movies a week for $19.95 a month. I've had the A-List for roughly 64 weeks now, and I've only seen just two movies a week three times. I have never seen less than two movies a week in that entire 64-week period, and I think that that's pretty impressive. Yes. Anywho, here's the sitch. This is the part of the show where I talk about the three movies that I just saw, and after a little bit of tete-a-tete, a bit of back and forth, a bit of dialogue, I will pick my one and only movie of the week. So it's time for some up-to-date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week. Dun, 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 dun. That's actually the same thing I did before, just slower. Huh. Huh. Good to know. Well then, Bunny, let's talk movies. This week, I have now seen 174 showings of movies in theaters since the end of 2018. I'm trying not to say that I've seen 174 movies because that's not accurate. I saw Captain Marvel about seven times last year in yes. theaters. So I can't say I've seen 174 movies. Uh, still, 174 showings of movies, that's an impressive number. Anyway. I, I, I am impressed. If nobody Thank else you. is impressed, I am impressed. Thank you. This week, I saw the following three movies. The Invisible Man, Brahms, The Boy 2, okay, and, and Guy Ritchie's crime movie, The Gentleman. Now, the, in, the Invisible Man has a 91 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is impressive. The Gentleman has a not-so-impressive, but still a passing grade, 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Brahms the Boy 2 has a whopping 9! Okay. So Brahms the Boy 2 brings the entire weekly Rotten Tomatoes score down drastically. So this week's total Rotten Tomatoes score is 173 out of 300. So, you know, not the best, but no. that's that's mostly the fault of Brahms the Boy 2. Now, let's discuss the two movies that were not chosen for my movie of the week. Number one, The Gentleman. I am so confused, Bunny. <laughs> I'm so confused. Because The Gentleman is a Guy Ritchie film starring Matthew McConaughey and others. Right. Uh, Hugh Grant is really great as this uh, lecherous, gay uh, news reporter. He's really great in it. And um, Matthew McConaughey does a really good job. And wasn't it also kind of supposed to kind of be a return to form? Yes, it is very much a return to form. It's a good movie, and I like it. I'm just confused because the movie came out in January, and I saw it when it came out in January, and then, a, and then like 
a few weeks later, I go, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll go see The Gentleman again. That was a fun movie and I liked it. And I go, oh, it's out of theaters already? Oh, well, that sucks. Because I have three movie theaters in my town and it wasn't playing in any of them anymore. And I go, oh, that sucks. So the movie came out in January and then it disappeared. Right. But now it's like March. And for some reason, it's back in my theaters. That is and not only, And not only that, it was playing on the biggest screen. And I have no idea why. <laughs> like, I can understand them doing this if, like, Matthew McConaughey had just died or if it had just won a bunch of awards, but none of that happened. I see no reason why. I saw the gentleman in March in their biggest screen. I'm so confused. <laughs> and I, I have no idea. Anywho, it was glad to see it again. It's a good movie. It's fun. Uh, Hugh Grant sort of, sort of steals the show. It's a really fun movie. It's right up there with Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. You know, it's a very... Good, very British crime thriller. And it's written really well so that <clears throat> most of the movie is told as sort of a flashback. Yeah. And it, it, it's really interesting. And Hugh Grant is a reporter who's trying to extort Matthew McConaughey's character for a massive amount of money because... Hugh Grant has been hired to write a hit piece that will destroy Matthew McConaughey's uh, drug kingpin career. <clears throat> but Hugh Grant's character being Hugh Grant's character, instead of publishing the article where he'll be paid $150,000, he's going to Matthew McConaughey's like number one in charge and saying, if you give me $20 million, then this article will disappear. So, so the the number one guy in charge below Matthew McConaughey is like, why should we pay you? What do you have? And he says, well, let me tell you the story. <laughs> Interior Irish pub afternoon. And so he's telling the story of the movie. And every once in a while, a character will act weird. And then it it'll go back to Matthew McConaughey telling the number one and the number one's like, okay, well that didn't happen. You're just uh, over-exaggerating. This is what happened. So it's a really interesting way that they framed the whole movie. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. I don't know why I saw it in the biggest theater, yeah. but it, I'm happy that I got to see it again. And it was a lot of fun. So that's the gentleman. My second movie that was not chosen for my movie of the week was very difficult to choose because I saw one movie this week that I loved and I saw one movie this week which I hated. Okay. And it was very difficult. Which one do I pick is my pick of the week because they're both equally as good. I loved one movie just as much as the other movie was a piece of shit. So eventually I... <laughs> What synced it was when I went to go see the piece of shit film, there were only two other people in the theater and they were sitting up at the front. So I sat in the farthest back of the theater and was able to live tweet the entire film. 
Uh-huh. So, so I, I have more to say about the horrible one. But um, The Invisible Man is great. Really? It is such a good movie. But there was just more to hate in this week's pick of the week. But this movie is... So you remember Tom Cruise's The Mummy, unfortunately, right? Uh, unfortunately, yes. They spent $150 million on that movie. They spent a Star Wars amount of money on that film. Yeah. And it was just an absolute boring pile of shit. Yes, it so, was. So, Universe... Yeah, so Universal said, ah, oh, well, there goes our plan to bring back all of the Universal monsters. I'll get, I guess we'll have to sit on them for a while. So then Blumhouse Studios, which has been making horror movies on the cheap and then releasing them in theaters. And then most of them are pretty good. Uh, but also because they're spending so little on horror movies, they're able to take chances. And that's how we got Get Out and Us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're giving more voices to 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 black people and, and minorities in horror movies, which is great. And so Blumhouse said, hey, uh, I see you're not going to be doing anything with the Universal Monsters now that uh, Tom Cruise just shat on everything. Why don't you give it to us? We'll make some cheap movies and uh, we'll make you a profit. So uh, The Invisible Man is what now seems to be the first in a series of low-budget Blumhouse takes on Universal horror films. So this is Iron, this is Invisible Man via spousal abuse. Okay. So, because this is a difficult one to, to, to bring into our modern times. How do you modernize just this crazy-ass guy? Well, who, my... Who made himself invisible and is killing people. My problem you know? here is that right off the Ooh. bat, man, I've always found the Invisible Man really fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah. And it was never <clears> a particularly <throat> interesting story or anything like that. And he was not a monster. Not really. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I don't know how I could possibly motivate myself to care about this. Yeah. And I think that's why this was a perfect movie for Blumhouse to start with. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people out there will be pissed off if you do Dracula or Frankenstein wrong. Or even, I'd even put the creature from the Black Lagoon on that list as well, way before I even get to the Invisible Man, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, so they have a better chance at winning you. So in this film... There's a guy and a girl, and they're in an abusive relationship. The guy is an asshole and just beats her and treats her like shit. And he's super rich, and he, he he's like the leader in the field of, of um, I don't know, tr light and trying to make shit look invisible. <coughs> Camouflage, whatever. He's 
he's like this super smart scientist, but he's also an asshole, abusive uh, husband. Yeah. So the woman runs away, and then the guy inexplicably, oh, kills himself. Now he's dead, and you get all of the money. Uh, of course, there's one condition. You can't be proven in a court of law to be uh, fucking insane. <laughs> but that should be no problem for you. Here's a billion dollars. And then suddenly she starts freaking out. And it's like, oh, I think there's someone sitting in that chair. Someone, it's someone here. Hello. And, and just. This film. It didn't have to be this good. Yeah. You know, if you're going to see like an Invisible Man Blumhouse horror movie that comes out at the end of February, beginning of March, like people in audiences are not expecting a lot from that, you know? No, no, they're not. But it was so damn good. And the best part is it was only made for about eight or nine million dollars. Yeah. So that's even if bad. the movie and bombed, it would have been a I mean, that's, that's an effect that's gotten to be like a no-brainer these days. I mean, back at the time, that was a cutting-edge effect. But, like, fucking who can't make something invisible? You know? Yeah. Yeah, and in this one, like, he fakes his death, and then he has this suit. And every inch of the suit is covered in these tiny cameras that project everything around to make the wearer of this suit seem as if he's invisible. Yeah. And so since he is already an abusive spouse, he's faking his death so he can drive her insane. And it's, it's real. It's a really good film and it is actually scary and actually frightening. There is a scene where uh, two characters are having dinner at a posh restaurant. And I think, think i may have screamed a little bit during that scene <laughs> it is a shocking scene it is yeah. a shocking scene but it's 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 frightening and it's nerve-wracking but a lot of the horror doesn't come from the from the invisible man aspect it comes from the fact that the whole film is rooted in spousal abuse and it, it's done in a very realistic way yeah but it's a damn good movie it is really really good and I really liked it. It was an it was impressive. It was an impressive film, and uh, I I can't wait to see more Blumhouse Universal horror movies. You know, like fuck, you did a really good job. And and when you see the camera, when you see the the outfit, it gave me a second level of fright because all of those cameras moving around really gave my tryptophobia. Like a kick in the balls. Yeah. Because the can yeah, because there's all these balls, you know, all of these holes in the suit, and then the holes have these balls, and the balls are the cameras, and they're moving around and oh it's just, I'm I'm getting chills just <laughs> talking about it. But it was a damn good film, you know? Yeah. I've had the AMC A list since the end of twenty eighteen, and I've seen every horror movie that has come out. And uh I really loved Midsommar, and Us spoke to me, and Gretel and Hansel was decent. Everything else has been shit. Yeah. <clears throat> Every horror... I've seen so many horrible horror movies, you know? 
the the prophecy, the curse of La Llorona, the grudge, uh, Hellboy was so disappointing. But like, I, I was blown away. I was stunned by The Invisible Man. It was such a good movie. Cool. And yeah, it was really good. I can't wait for you to see it. And finally, the Steve Stubbs pick of the weekend, the PG-13 horror sequel, Brahms the Boy 2. Now, okay. I never saw I never saw the first movie. And and so I avoided going to see Brahms the Boy 2 for a while because of that. Because I didn't see the first one. But eventually it, it just got to me like. Oh no, I can't go and see uh, Major League Two back to the minors. I didn't see Major League One. I'll be lost. Okay. See, I think I need a correction here. Okay. Because what is in my head is that movie that came out like, well, two years ago or something like that by a famous director. That was shot over 12 years with, I think it was Ethan Hawke? No, 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 no. Uh, Brahms the Boy 2 is a sequel to a 2016 horror film called The Boy. I think what you... No, your movie is Boyhood. Boyhood, okay. That was the movie that you saw. Yeah. Okay, because I I was like, something's not syncing up right here. (laughs) Yeah. I was aware of the movie, The Boy. Basically, this woman is hired to be a live-in nanny at this really rich, expensive house. But as it turns out, they don't have a kid. They just have a creepy Victorian doll. Okay. So this girl is taking care of this creepy Victorian doll. But then, like, oh, is the doll haunted? Is someone haunting her? And as it turns out, there's like this midget living in the walls of the house and people start dying. And it's like, yeah, I didn't go see it in 2016 because I wasn't forcing myself to see a bunch of shitty horror movies back then. Yeah. So I avoided going to see Brahms the Boy 2 because it's like I didn't see the first one. But eventually I realized like, oh, wait, this movie is shit. So. (laughs) Like. Does it matter if I see the first one? No, it really doesn't matter. And also another reason why I went to go see The Boy 2 is because, you know, it was st- it was February. It was, it was February, end of February, going into March, and I was thinking to myself, you know what? This has not been a bad January, February right. for me. I remember uh, January, February 2019 to be dark, dark times, but I I found myself more pleasantly surprised this year. You know, like I didn't love, love them, but I really liked Harley Quinn and I liked Downhill and Gretel and Hansel ended up being pretty good. And I saw The Gentleman twice. So like I expected to have seen more shit. Yeah. At this point of 2020. At, so at I was this avoiding point last year, you screamed a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. So I was avoiding the boy too, but eventually it's like, you know what? I haven't seen a lot of shitty movies, 
I'll, you know, I'll take one for the team, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll give it a shot. So the sequel finds uh, Katie Holmes. Has she ever been good in anything? No. I don't, I don't ever remember going, oh, shit, Katie Holmes is in this, you know? The best thing Katie Holmes ever did was leave it in Tom Cruise, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so she is uh, married to this guy, and they have a kid, and they're living in London. And then eventually she gets, there's a home invasion, and she's robbed at gunpoint. And um, then the family is dealing with PTSD from their robbery. And that would be enough to trigger my own robbery-related PTSD if yeah. this film were good. Yeah. But but thankfully, the movie is such shit that about 20 minutes into the film, about a half hour into the film, I was thinking, you know, I could be playing Simpsons Tapped Out right now if I had my tablet. <laughs> I do I do have some crops that need tending to in Simpsons tapped out. Ah, but I left my tablet in the car. Huh, you think maybe they could let me out and I could go get my tablet and bring it in so I can play the Simpsons tapped out while watching this film? <laughs> oh, but wait, it's like 9.30 at night and now there's only one or two employees left and they you know they're not by the door to let me out and let me in yo you know what i'll i guess i'll just watch the movie <laughs> and so i'm trying to find you know positives in the film and i was like well hey at least there's a dog in it yeah that dog is really cute and i swear to god 20 minutes later the dog is eviscerated Oh, and I was so pissed off. And so Katie Holmes is starting to get freaked out by the doll. But this definitely falls into the movie trope of white parents. They're always white, not yeah. believing their kids brush with the supernatural because the kid is like, this doll is talking to me. This doll is my friend. You have to do this because then the doll will be angry. And then the, the, come on, this doll won't be angry. The doll's not real. I don't believe you in your supernatural nonsense. Has anyone seen where the dog has gone? <laughs> so this is one of those movie tropes of the parents not believing their kids brush with the supernatural. And uh, there's a lot of jump scares, but none of them ever work. There were so many bad jump scares in the movie that I was really happy that I that I sat in the back row because since I was in the back row, the two teenagers who were sitting near the front of the theater couldn't see that I was jazz handsing it up every time there was a, a jump scare. Okay. Like it's like a, a specific phrase for that trope. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm gonna look it up okay. because yeah. Uh, I was I was looking at a bunch of I'm talking. Eleanor. I was looking at a bunch of uh, tropes, mm -hmm. like bad things happen type tropes, and that's one of them. And I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, it was basically this: the person doesn't believe the person's saying. Yeah. And then they end up having to save the day because, like, nobody fucking believed this doll was alive. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's that? 
uh, there's a there's a specific phrase phrase for this trope, for this trope. but uh, I don't know what it is, and Natasha does it, but she's going to go look it up. Okay. So Katie Holmes, Katie Holmes starts to believe that maybe this doll is like, oh, I'm creeped out by this doll. There's something up with this doll. I'm really creeped out by it, and and it's like, dude, Katie, back off. You know. Maybe the doll is equally creeped out by your shady history with Scientology. Yes. Eventually, it gets to the point where it's like, Jesus Christ, like 45 minutes into this film, if the parents don't know by now, they do all deserve to be killed, you know? (laughs) Okay. The movie just just doesn't land. It's like if Jeff Dunham wrote a low-budget child's play for the BBC. Oh right! It, it, it because it's like this Victorian doll, and it's it's just oh, and then eventually you know what happens? Oh, our son's doll might be evil. Let's invite a busload of annoying, hugely forgettable, and easily stabbed secondary characters into our house for a visit. Yes, this will be a really fun, really fun. Uh, that would yeah, anyway, be kind of required. Yeah. The movie is shit. The ending's predictable. The best part of the movie was the ham and cheese sandwich I snuck into the theater. Okay. It, 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 it's, it's really bad. It's phenomenally bad. And I've been seeing some real bad movies lately. You know? Like uh, Call of the Wild and... Uh, uh, what other ones? The rhythm section that was a piece of shit. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, I guess, was all right, but I've been seeing some pretty shitty movies. Uh, Brahms the Boy Two is without a doubt the worst movie of twenty twenty so far. Ooh, without a doubt, and it's boring and it's predictable, and the ending is exactly what you think the ending's going to be. And but I've been trying to to not shit on movies. I've been trying to find positives in every movie that I see. So one positive I can say about the boy too is it could be fun if you're watching it drunk and high with friends. You know? Okay. Like this movie is so bad, I could see people putting this on like a troll too. You know, that's really? how bad okay. this is. The boy too. The boy too could be. One that's so bad that you might have fun ripping in a new one. Like, like I'll I'll be on the lookout for a riff tracks of of Brahms the Boy Two. Wow. My only real regret with Brahms the Boy Two is that I didn't uh, go to my local hamburger joint Brahms and get Brahms. And then maybe I could have snuck the Brahms in, so I'm eating Brahms food while I'm watching Brahms the Boy too, because that would have been that would have been good, it, at least alliteration. But unfortunately, I wasn't. I didn't think of it until it was too late. Have you ever movie. Have you it's ever been caught sneaking food in? Nope. Because I not at all. Because I don't Never. know of anybody really who's got caught sneaking food in. And I'm suddenly curious as to exactly what happens. Do you just have to give yeah. them your burger? 
Um, hold on. Uh, Natasha just figured it out. It's called Cassandra Truth. It's where uh, you try your hardest to tell somebody that something is actually real or tell them the truth about something, but they don't believe you. It's a common trope used in like Disney films, like a like the like frog prince. You try to, anyways. Um, it comes from Cassandra, who could was... see the future. Yeah, she was a uh, seer who was able. Her prophecies were true, and all, they were always accurate, but they were never believed because of a curse placed on her by the god Apollo. So, yeah, that's the trope. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I would never have hadn't just recently been like. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically Brahms the Boy too. It's it's shitty. It is, <laughs> it is really horrible. So that's it for movies this week. Next week I will be uh checking out. I will be excited for a new Disney film and I'll be depressed as Ben Affleck tries to make himself relevant again so yeah really looking forward to that that seems like it's going to be a hilarious romp so join us uh next week for some more up-to-date movie reviews with steve's stubs of the week buddy yes are you are you ready for another exciting episode of Bunny Versus? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you ready and raring to go? Are you roaring? I am roaring, yes. Surging, Good. one may well say. Well then. Well then. Without any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus. And here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, buddy. So, uh, I guess everything turned out okay in Hong Kong. You know, uh, it was like all the news for a while back there. And then, like, yeah. we just, like, stopped talking about it, I think. Probably. So, um, great. Um, uh, Hong Kong's free, I guess. So there we go. That's, that's that's one good thing, and and since I since I kind of said it at the beginning, I like look. This political race is hard enough. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to hear about people surging. Okay. I don't want to think about Bernie Sanders surging. I don't want to think about Elizabeth Warren surging. Yeah, that's not a pleasant you know, phrase. Yeah. You know. I mean I I, I, I mean Sanders squelching in the polls. I, I'm happy for them that they could still yeah. that they could still surge, you know? Yeah. I, I just don't think I really, really want to hear it on their the advanced news. age. Yeah, it's impressive that that they can surge at all uh, in their advanced age. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I I don't begrudge them a, a, a good surge. You know, 
Yeah. I mean, it's got to be hard. You yeah. Need, you you kind of when you're running a campaign on that, you you need a stress relief. You know. But don't report it yeah. on the news all the time. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. Really, all I'm trying to say here. Gotcha. So, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing better. Uh, yeah. We had a big day yesterday. We, you know, we went to story time, and it was a big story time. And uh, I read a book that I just eviscerated, and I was really proud of that. I'm really, I'm really happy when I have a book that I can like riff on. Cool. So that's good. And and then uh, uh, the the owner of the organization was there and he gave me a good opening, uh, a good, like a, a really nice introduction. Yeah. And then, uh, I've been, I've been advertising online that our next story time, which is happening on the 21st is actually happening the day before my birthday. And, and so from, from what I could tell, from the hints that were dropped from the owner of the organization, as far as I can tell, the next story time that we do is going to be like a, maybe like a birthday themed story time. That would a, be nice. A birthday celebration. And so that's nice. And I'm, and I'm excited about that. Yes. Yeah, we're going to be doing it. We're also going to be doing an activity at that story time that he got from the Phoenix Children's Museum in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. So, so it's all sort of me themed. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And then after uh, story time, we went to the my small town's second annual comic book convention. Okay. Expo, comic book expo, and that was really fun because it seems a lot bigger this year than it was last year. And I got some footage. I'm going to put it into a video, so I'm happy about that. And and then we got home, and we're like, "Hey, we're not leaving anywhere." Or, you know, we've had a big day. We're exhausted, so like, let's do some medicine. Okay. So I, I was like, I haven't had an edible in, in 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 a day or two. I'll have an edible, and I I went to 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 take a bite of it, and I I I, I guess I wasn't fully paying attention to the amount that I had bit. All right. So I ended up. Uh, spending most of the rest of the night on the couch okay but to be fair but to be fair um i i've never really watched stranger things it's always been something that other people watch and I'm sort of in the room for, but I never yeah. really sat down and watched it. And so uh, Bella and I binged like the end of season one and most of season two. And it was just it, like, re I really like that. Yeah. I found that I, I found that I was a lot less stoned as long as I didn't have to stand up or walk. 
<laughs> so so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit here and Bella's watching uh, Stranger Things. Fucking let's do it. Like I watched most of season three, but that was mainly because uh, as someone who grew up in Phoenix, where it's regularly 110 degrees, you find like I spent my entire childhood and teen in 20s in malls. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's going to be 119 degrees. Let's uh, we're either going to go to a water park or a mall. And that's life in Phoenix during the summer. So but I, I there were huge chunks of season two of Stranger Things that I just didn't see. So it was ni- it was nice to, like, watch it and pay attention and, and all of that. They're already working on a sequel to the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And for Tails, the sort of sidekick of Sonic, they're hoping to get Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. And I think that that's a horrible idea and who they should instead get because the symmetry of the thing is uh, Steve with the beautiful hair from Stranger Things. Yes. Because Sonic the Hedgehog is voiced by Jean Ralphio from Parks and Rec. And when when uh, Stranger Things came out, there was a huge uh, online fan theory that said that due to time travel, Jean Ralphio is actually Steve's dad. Oh. And so so then those two actors met each other and they became friends and they started doing these videos online. And then they were hired by some credit card company to do ads together. And so they're like friends that happen to kind of sort of look like each other. And so uh, I, I somewhere in season two, uh, the creators of Stranger Things, I think, dropped a, a Parks and Rec reference in there somewhere to sort of like reference the whole idea of, yes, we hear you. Yes, Jean Ralphio is his dad. Okay. So I just think it would be great to have Sonic be the voice of John Jean Ralphio from Parks and Recreation and have Tails be the voice of Steve from Stranger Things. I just think that that's a better idea. <laughs> I know okay. that Hollywood wants to just shove the rock in everything, but I think that my idea is definitely a lot better. I I I I agree. I agree. Yeah. All, all I think uh, is is they really need to do something about Stranger Things because the fucking cute is wearing off of these kids really quick. That's what I was telling. That's what I was telling Bella that there's definitely going to be like a much bigger time gap between season three and season four because Finn Wolfhard alone is has grown to be like this fucking giant person. Yeah. Is yeah. that the one that was just in the, uh, uh, what, the others, or turn is, turning, the turning? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was also in a music video for the band Ninja Sex Party, um, which is uh, two people, Ninja Brian and Danny Sexbang. Danny Sexbang being the stage name for Danny, one half of the Game Grumps on YouTube Uh that I am obsessed with and that we have discussed on the podcast back when we had homework. But, um, uh, so Ninja Sex Party did a song called Danny Don't You Know, and it's 
Danny Sexbang from the present going back in time and singing a song to his nerdy eight-year-old self. And for the music video, they got that kid from Stranger Things to be a younger version of Danny from Game Grumps. And it's remarkable how much they look like each other. Okay. Interesting. In my my mind, uh, It Part 2... There's some alternate universe out there where instead of that guy from SNL, it's Danny from Game Grumps in his breakout role. Yeah, it would be a better movie for me. Like, I really dig uh, What's-His-Nuts in that movie. But Danny from Game Grumps would have infinitely been better. But but Danny Sexbang is like six foot two and like handsome with beautiful eyes. Yeah. But it's remarkable how much this little kid from Stranger Things has. He's a he's a fucking weed at this point, you know? Yeah. He is growing so goddamn fast. And it's like, dude, you can't have these kids be kids anymore. Period. So, yeah, the cuteness is wearing off. These are fucking teenagers, like, young adults now. They're going to be surging very soon. Yeah, Yeah, they're going to be surging. They're going to be surging. Yeah. And I think that would take this show in a whole different turn. And they mention, there's one throwaway line right at the end of season three, but I'm hoping that that becomes the thing. And that season four, if you're still in the 80s, you should do a season on Satanism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so so there's like some tabloid TV show and they're like, strange happenings in Hawkins, Indiana. What is happening in this sleepy small town? Could Satanists be involved? And it's like, dude, please do the fucking Satanic Panic. <laughs> yes. That could be an entire season of fucking Stranger Things. I would watch the shit out of that. And the whole time I'm just yelling at my kids about how in the 80s, people thought Satan was literally real and hiding everywhere. Yes. And I was like, dude, I'm nine years old and I know you adults are talking bullshit. Yeah. I I, I just, a caller on one of the atheist shows I watch uh, from time to time had called in and was kind of going on about about Satanists and eating babies and, and very satanic panicky kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know of, that we've found a single case anywhere ever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's all just scared parental bullshit from the 80s yeah 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 everyone was convinced that was a thing oh god yeah yeah oh yeah and and the mcmartins went to jail and everything yeah because of it yeah i have a documentary about that that i haven't watched that i know i will eventually yeah Uh, Is it on any of the channels? The satanic preschool uh, case of the 80s, 
they 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 one there was one case of a daycare where one kid got injured and then they looked into it and then they got this like psychiatrist and the psychiatrist is like a child were you injured yes tell me what happened i fell and then basically the investigator is like did you fall or were you molested yeah no i wasn't molested you can tell us you were molested weren't you yes i i was it, why did they molest you? Was it because of Satanism? Yes, it was. It was Satanism. What did they do? Did they did they put their entire fists into your rectum? They did, and it hurt. And so it, there was a period in time where it, it was believed that daycare centers were hubs of Satanism. Yeah, and it, you can't take your kid to a daycare because there are Satanists there, and they will they will rape them, and it will be this it, it became this massive panic throughout all of america that there were satanists who were like eating babies and having sex with your children yes well, let, uh, let me call those fears and remind you that my friend Kristen had checked out that preschool yeah. for her daughter and then yeah the preschool was the doors were chained. The lights were off. Kids were supposed to be dropped off, but they had to be closed down forcefully by the government because of multiple accounts of sexual child sexual abuse. Yeah. Dude, you can't just drop a story like that and then walk away. <laughs> okay, then. But, but yeah, so that's the, that's that trial. Yes, I got a documentary about it that I just that I just haven't been I haven't bothered to watch yet because I know it's going to be a bummer, you know yeah. these poor fucking people. But anyway, that's me. How are you, Bunny? Uh, things have been challenging. You know, so? uh, I really gotta get I really gotta get a decent computer. I'm gonna go out of my fucking mind. I'm trying to re yeah. repair the Plex server, and it's being a bitch. Yeah. You know, I just wind up like I'll be trying to do something, and I and this will be something that I've worked on like for days. You know, and then something yeah. will crap out because I'm trying to do something, and I don't have enough computer to do it. And then all that shit's gone. Yeah. And this is happening a lot, and it's getting really, really super fucking frustrating. You know? So, trying not to scream about that. Uh, gotcha. Trying not to scream about politics. And that's very difficult. Huh? That, that is that is. Very difficult. That is very difficult because I'm ha really having a problem with this election with, like, what exactly just happened to most of my friends? Yeah. Like, like, like. How can they be against the electoral college, but be in favor of superdelegates? 
why why are they why are they and seriously i think this is all a matter of how powerful the goddamn media is yeah you know because we all know that the media has not given bernie a fucking break and they've been pumping joe biden up forever absolutely so like when as we were coming through 2016 and we were like how can all these republicans voting for how can they be voting against their own self-interest like this and i i just like feel like i'm watching the same fucking thing again yeah okay i'm sorry and i'm sorry if it sounds conspiratorial okay which is another thing like like that's another that's like a Bernie bro thing. Like if you say something that people don't like, it's like conspiracy, conspiracy theory. You have conspiracy theory. Yeah. No, it's not a conspiracy theory that fucking Comcast owns MSNBC. Okay? Yeah. That's not a conspiracy that large corporations are involved in our news service and our government. Yeah. And that if something is going to hurt them, they're going to protect themselves. And I'm not saying that it's fake news, but it's sure biased as fuck. Yes, it is. You know, and how can you... They put up a generic Asian man instead of Andrew Yang. Come on. That's, that's That's not biased. That's fucking racist, for Christ's sake. Yes, it is. You know, I mean, I mean, again, for like the average person, okay, you know, like average person just going about living their lives or whatever, like, hey, is this a picture of Andrew Young? Yeah, I think that's Andrew Young. Okay. I can understand them not knowing, you know, but you're the news. Like, this is your only fucking job. Yeah. Yeah. To get shit to get like this shit straight. Right. Yeah. You know? And and you can see it like right, you know, right down the line. And it's like a it's like a gradient, you know? From the very beginning, fucking actually even before he entered the race, they were calling Joe Biden the front runner. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, that's not true, and that's not news. He's not in the race. Okay? But then you can see, like, a gradient from, like, he's the most centrist, then you would have the next centrist, and then for how much of a beating or how much the news ignored you. You know? Like, Elizabeth Warren has been smacked around a lot by the media, too. Yes. For for having more progressive views. She's the one who made the fucking billionaire cry on TV. You know? They're going to fight back. And, like, I, I thought my friends were smarter than this. You know? Where... Yeah, they would be able to see that this is a numbers game that's being run on us right now. Yeah. You know? Insurance companies are donating lots and lots of money 
to not go out of business. Yeah. But it's a business we do not need anymore. It's a business that we really never fucking needed to begin with. Yeah, it was... It was weird to see after Super Tuesday uh, the economy bounced back mainly due to rises in the healthcare industry. The healthcare industry had a successful day in the stock market because Joe Biden uh, had a really good Super Tuesday, which meant that people probably wouldn't be getting Medicare for all, which uh-huh. means that the, the medical industry will continue to be a, a gross piece of shit. Uh-huh. And so stock prices rose over the possibility of people not getting healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's so fucked up. Everything is fucked up. Yeah. And, and just this whole idea of like, (sighs) we have to be Trump. Trump. That's all that matters. We have to be Trump. First off, no, that's bullshit. And the way to beat Trump is to fucking stand for something. Yeah, the way to beat Trump is not to... Get Trump light. Yeah. Yeah, that's not how you beat Trump. That's not the way to do it. And I'm sorry, I have zero fucking confidence that Joe Biden is really going to win up against Donald Trump. Yeah, I don't think so, especially with all of his fucking uh, uh, Ukraine shit. Espe- right, with the the Ukraine shit is definitely going to be used as yeah. intended, you know. But fucking not only that, you've got you've got busing is going to be dragged out, and you know, like he's going to try to make comparisons for for black people, and. Y- Trump's going to gas us. I'm not sure if Biden is going to gas us. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, so so like Biden might be a, a bit but he's still a fucking racist and why are we goddamn tolerating it? Tolerating it. No idea. You know, well well he's not as much a, Can we aim for not racist? How about that? How about we, how about we make that the fucking bullseye? Let's yeah, have apparently that's too much. Yeah, way too much to ask, Bunny. Yeah, way let's have a presidential candidate who's not racist, not a presidential candidate who is less racist. You know, but you got the Ukraine shit. You got busing, and you got him working with with with. segregationists and being fucking proud of it. Uh, You have him lying about having been in civil rights marches where nobody can goddamn place him at one. And it was something that he was busted on years ago and he stopped saying it for a while. And now he's saying it again. And then he went to jail for fucking Nelson Mandela. What the dude Join us in reality. Where are you going? And that's what we're given to go up against Trump? He's going to get fucking slaughtered. Yeah. Anita Hill? 
Fucking the Anita Hill controversy alone should disqualify this fucker from ever running for president. Yeah. You know, I do not see how I do not. But on the bright side, it's going to be fucking hysterical. It's going to be fucking hysterical. Joe Biden and Donald Trump on the debate stage at the same time. It's going to be like. I think the moderator, okay, you got the two of them. You could you could get away with just having one moderator. The moderator opens up and says, gentlemen, I just have one question for the both of you. Who's on first? And then fucking step back. Yeah. And just yeah, watch a, a complete idea. Abbott and Costello melt down. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're so screwed. So I welcome the I welcome the uh I welcome the coronavirus. Yeah. I really do. Maybe we deserve I, it. I, I, I kind of want somebody to explain to me how we're going to know the difference between contracting the con- con- the coronavirus and the general fucking sick and shitty feeling that we have like all the time anyway. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but like I, I, I pretty much always feel one level of sick or another. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, you could probably stop right now and go through some things that are just wrong with you, you know? Yep. Yep. So how exactly are we going to know <laughs> Yeah. that we've no got idea. the current plague? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ugh. I mean. Ugh. Fucking. Global pandemic. Has, and then thank God we've got President Donald Trump, who is a who is a, a an expert at everything, apparently. Yes. It's like, oh, so many of the doctors have stopped me and told me, oh, you have such an affinity for this. You are so smart. Like if <laughs> Pokemon Go were still like a super popular thing, he'd be out there. Oh, you know, I'm one of the greatest Pokemon players in the world. I could have gone to the world championship. Yeah. I've got a million. I've got a million Pikachus. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everything. Everything is horrible. Yeah. So global pandemic. It's not enough to raise my concern anymore. You know? Yeah. Because now we're just kibitzing over how we're all going to die. You know, I mean, it's pretty much locked up that we are going to (laughs) die. Yeah. Don't jump on that, Eleanor. Do not jump on that again. Okay? You thought I wasn't watching, but I am. No, don't sit on that. That's not a seat. That's not a seat. Yeah, thought you get away with it, but no. Ha. 
on the positive side, plane tickets are very cheap right now. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> on the negative side, don't fly anywhere. Yes. There's a reason why those are so cheap. Yes, they are. But, you know, if you're going to die anyway, you might as well see the Coliseum. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, fuck it. That's that's it, you know. If if and and who knows if they're gonna let us have vaccines anyway? <laughs> yeah. In a sane world, that generally isn't a question. You know, of course they're gonna give you the vaccine once it's developed. Not so much in this current state. You know? Yeah. And then and then the fact that, like, I never thought we'd get to a point where there's a global pandemic that is uh, killing people in, in the nation, and everyone knows not to listen to the president about it. Yes. It's just, that's a, just a given. Yeah. It's just the given that the leader of the nation um, isn't to be trusted with this. Uh huh. Like, that's really fucked up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I, yeah. Look, I feel comforted as long as, as long as Mike Pence is praying on it. You know? Exactly. That's all we need. Yeah. It's that, just a flu, according to the, to Donald Trump. Yeah, it's just a flu. It. Yeah, just a flu. Yeah. yeah, he actually yeah. he actually asked doctors if they could just use the flu vaccine. Yeah, fucking which, idiot. Which right off the bat is like, okay, exactly which the flu vaccine are you talking about? Yeah. <sighs> and the world and the World Health Organization says, oh, well, the global mortality rate is at 3.4. And Donald Trump says, oh, it's lower than 1%. I have a hunch. Yeah. My hunch tells me that the World Health Organization is lying. I'm like, fuck you, dude. But I, I just feel like I have to just like kind of break this all down like. The cl the climate crisis is just going to be a bitch to die in, you know, because we're gonna go we're gonna have to go through that whole Mad Max Walking Dead phase, you know, where yeah everybody is coming out <sighs> trying to get your toilet paper, you know, like, and I you've got to keep your your toilet paper safe. You know, like, do I? And that can go on. And for then it's like, do I have to wear? You. And then it's like, do I have to wear leather? Do I go with or without the spikes? Uh -huh. Do I paint my hair? Do I not paint my face with blood? You know, it seems like a big chore. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on. And and like I was that that could last for years. You're eventually going to die, but God, you know, what a fucking, 
effort, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like really way too much of an effort. Um, and really, people, what's with the hoard and all the toilet paper? I mean, I, I don't know if you've noticed, it's literally happening up here. People are hoarding toilet paper. You're having a hard time getting toilet paper in stores. Yeah, there's a lot of hoarding going on right now. And I don't know why. I don't know why, what, like, that's, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I like I, I can't even put words to it. Like why has toilet paper become the focus? I do not know. Out of all the different things you could possibly stockpile <clears throat> to try to survive a virus. Yeah. Toilet paper. Yeah. But anyway, the climate crisis, I think that's a shitty way to go. Um the Nazi concentration camps and the gas chambers, which I'm pretty convinced are fucking coming. Uh, just a matter of time on that one. Uh, that's going to be a really shitty way to go. Yeah. Coughing in bed, smelling of Vicks. Uh, it'll be uncomfortable. But I'm sure I could find the prices right on Amazon Prime or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, as far as the as far as the impending dooms that we have right now, coronavirus not so bad sounding. Yeah, yeah. I'll take my chances. Yeah. Yeah, and chances are good, like, Jeannie and I will get it at the same time, so, like, the landlords will have to deal with our bodies, so fuck them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. So, yeah, so, uh, I don't know what else I have to add to that. Yeah. It's all over. We should do, we should do something though. There like should should be like a world fucking party or something, you know? Yeah. Can we figure out a way to really go out in a blaze of stupidity, controlled st stupidity by our choice? You know what I mean? Not yeah. the stupidity that's kind of being foisted on us. Yeah. Let's like build a massive roller coaster. Yes. Yeah. With with no end. Like like I'm talking about like let's build like one tanker. roller coaster across all of America. It just like spans all of America. You know? Yeah. And we and and we all get into cars and we invite everybody. We invite China. We invite. Come on, and we all start riding the roller coaster. And yeah, then then you just run out of track. We can call it hands in the air across America. <laughs> yeah. 
Because it's a roller coaster, you got to put your hands up. <laughs> That's just good marketing right there. <laughs> Let's leave something that'll really make the aliens work to figure out what happened here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's not make it easy to for them. Don't let the aliens just come here and be like, well, apparently they were really fucking stupid. Let yeah. them come here and be like, okay. First they built the giant cow. And then there's a cage over the cow. And the boot has to kick the target, and that drops the cage on the cow. Yes. This this is how aliens should have to deal with our civilization in an effort to explain yeah. what happened. Yeah, so, so we all die by uh, an elaborate, rude Goldberg machine. Uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like the game Mousetrap. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I got it. If the rule, totally if the Rube Goldberg machine was designed by MC Escher, yeah, that's what we yeah. need. You know, so so like, it would be it, the aliens. I, I'm picturing the aliens reacting to this. In the same way we react to the pyramids, you know, not so yeah. much anymore, but like, yeah, how they do that and why did they do that and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And with the added layer of it being so, so, so incredibly stupid, you know, just like, yeah. How did they do this? Why did they do this? And why is it so fucking stupid? <laughs> you know? Yeah. If we got to go out, this is then what let's I'm really go out. For. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I think that is about it for this week's Bunny versus. Uh, think about it, people. Think about it. How do you want to die? Yeah, Leave a comment. You know, Leave a comment. <laughs> yeah. Because a wise man once said, future events such as these will affect you in the future. Yes. Yeah. And cut. And cut on that. Yes. Uh, Bunny. Yes. I'm going to bump Shap to next week. Okay. This Shap to next week. Because uh, uh, I don't want this show to run too long, number one. And number two, that just means less for me to write next week. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I had writer's block for a huge chunk of this week. Oh, no worries. Shit happens. Was, yeah. 
So, so we're going to bump that. Uh, but it's a really good shap. I've been testing it out on people, and, and they really dig it. So good really good piece of shap there? Yeah, it's a good piece of shap. Yeah. <coughs> Buddy! Yes. We still have... We still have a full show to get to. We have a movie to talk about. We need to talk about digital fur technology. I've got a really exciting cover band idea. We're going to talk about an American uh, who became a who grew up to become a famous British poet. That's okay. exciting. That doesn't happen a lot. So yeah, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. But before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Is what I'm saying. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Good. Okay. Then we will be right back with more of the Pokemon Phil after this. Do 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 and break. I'll kill you. 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 It's the Death of Richie, the special edition. The Death of Richie is a 1977 made-for-TV movie, and now, with the Death of Richie special edition, now out on Blu-ray and DVD, you can watch the Death of Richie as it was originally meant to be. Gone are all of the old and outdated scenes of a young man struggling with a drug addiction, and in its place is the scene at the end of La Bamba where actor Isai Morales calls out for his brother. It's the Death of Richie Special La Bamba Edition. Gone are Robbie Benson, and in its place... One hour and 35 minutes of Isai Morales yelling for Richie. That's all it is. Just Isai Morales yelling for Richie. Do you like seeing Mexicans yell for their dead brother? Of course you do. And now with the death of Richie, the special edition, you can watch one hour and 35 minutes of Isai Morales yelling for his brother. <laughs> That's right, Isai Morales. Richie! It's the death of Richie, the special edition. back with more of the Popon film. Act 3, Bunny! Act 3! Yes, Bunny, my friend. 
It is time yet again for the third and final act of the Pope on Film podcast. And it is said third act, wherein we finally ineventually get around to discussing our all new, same great taste, but now half the sugar movie of the week. And this week we are doing a super rare part two. And we will be trying to figure out how one of the most successful plays of all time became one of the biggest flops of all time with the second half of a astonishing look at the astoundingly awful 2019 musical motherfucking cats i i so, i i think that you're you're on to something and it has really started to fascinate me um I, I, i'm just going to paraphrase this isn't quite what you said but it was definitely the idea that it, it seems like it's not so much that Cats is a bad movie as much as it is Cats was a bad fucking play. Yeah. Yeah. And that and, has and, begun yeah, to and, fascinate and, uh, me. Yeah, no. For- yeah, no, we'll be expounding on that, but just right off the bat, before we even get into the discussion of the behind-the-scenes aspect of this film, Bunny, I'm assuming that since last week when we first did Cats, that between the recording of the last episode and this episode, that you have seen the film at least nine times, and that now you see, as I see, that Cats (laughs) is the greatest movie of all time. So tell me, Bunny, how much are you in love with this movie now? Well, for one, there's definitely surging. Surging is it happening. It is surging. It is surging. Yes. Um, there's a lot of surging, surging happening. Uh, a, a little bit of pulsating here and there. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I, well, I, funny, I, I I still hate this movie, but I really want to to really like lock down exactly everything I'm hating. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I've nailed it this week. I think I've really nailed it, and I'm happy about that. So, buddy, the big question here is: How did one of the most successful musicals ever? become one of the worst movies ever also equally as important is there a band yet called digital fur technology <laughs> and if, if there's not, not, not then i yeah if there's not i call it yes and while we're on while we're on band ideas i've got an idea for a band we're going to call ourselves Rumple Teaser, and we're going to be a Mungo Jerry tribute band. Oh, I like that. Now, let me, just, let me just go ahead right now and say we will only be playing the song in the summertime and no other song. Yes. Because, it's not, because when it comes to a Mungo Jerry tribute band, 
it's not really about the music. It's more about the sideburns. So that's what people really want to see. Not us do Mungo Jerry songs. We'll do the one. But it's really just a way to showcase the Mungo Jerry sideburns. Yes, it is. Yeah. With that, okay, I... so let's start. So we're going to nail this down. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. T.S. Eliot. Yes. His real name is, of course, Transsexual Eliot. Technical Sergeant. Yeah. And a uh, fun fact, T.S. Eliot is an American, or was an American. Um, uh, he Motherfucker was born in St. Louis, <laughs> and he moved to England at age 25 and eventually became a British citizen, and later a beloved British poet. But bullshit, he's fucking American. That surprised me. Yeah. That one of... Uh, uh, England's most beloved uh, poets. It's like learning that King Arthur, fun fact, he was born in Tucson. Yes. That's a fact that people don't know. It's like, what? <laughs> oh. So, uh, T.S. Eliot, famous poet, won a Nobel Prize, big deal. Uh, British people love him. So in 1939, he writes a book of poetry entitled Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Apparently, Ezra Pound, the famous something or other, yeah. gave T.S. Eliot the nickname Old Possum. That's what Ezra Pound used to call T.S. Eliot. So he released this book, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. This became a famous book of poetry, beloved by many a British person. And it has been republished over and over again throughout uh, time. At the bookstore, we used to carry the 80s reprint that featured illustrations from Edward Gorey, who created the comic strip that the Adams Family was based on. Okay. And Vampira. And Elvira. But anywho, that's the one that we carried of Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Apparently, the book is so famous that a number of musicians throughout the decades have adapted the poems into music. In fact, in 1954, a composer named Alan Rothorn put six of the poems to song and released them as an album called Practical Cats. So FYI, Andy Weber's musical isn't even all that original. Okay, yeah, true. He's not the so he's not the first person to look at T.S. Eliot's book of cats and say, "I am gonna set these some music." A bunch of people have over the years. Yeah, it's just that uh, Andy Weber's the most successful one. So uh, Andy Weber, it's the seventies, the late seventies. Andy Weber is entering his 30s, and one of his favorite childhood books was T.S. Eliot's book of cat poems. At this point in his life, Andy Weber, he's a pretty successful dude. Uh, yeah. he, he has, at this point in his life, 
written the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which was a hit, despite the fact that it's a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, he also wrote Jesus Christ Superstar, which is which is good, a very seventy, very seventies, almost two seventies, but good. And uh, the musical Jeeves, which bombed, and Evita, which we have discussed before on the podcast over on Shap, so you can listen to our uh, take of Andy Weber and Jeeves and yes. the life of Eva Perone over on Shap. So Andy wants to stay fresh. He's not writing any musicals at the at the moment, but he wants to stay fresh. He wants to flex his musical muscles, I guess. So what he does at a, at at a what he regularly does as a songwriting exercise is he will get predetermined lyrics that someone else has written and then he sees if he can compose a song around that. Okay. And apparently this is a this is a a, a musical exercise for him. Like, oh look, here are lyrics to some poem by some dude. Let me see if I can write a song around it. So uh this is what he's doing he is uh getting poems from numerous places including his childhood favorite book uh old possum's book of practical cats and turning them into songs and eventually he gets an idea and his idea originally is a song cycle okay to be broadcast on the on BBC television just like his previous song cycle tell me on a sunday which is a song that I actually love. I love the song Tell Me on the Sunday. It's a really sweet song. And it's basically, look, if you're going to break up with me, do it right. Take me to, a, to the zoo. Take me to the park. It's got to be on a Sunday. Get me some ice cream. Then you can break up with me. Yes. Okay? But at least, you know, make it nice. Take me to lunch. Fucking come on. So from that idea, the idea of a cat's song cycle grows and grows and grows until it becomes a monstrosity. The musical Cats was, was the first mega musical, which is an actual uh, a term that is used to describe musicals that are more akin to a big-budget Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. In, when you go see the musical Phantom of the Opera, the big-ass fucking chandelier does fall on top of the audience and swings and collides into the stage in a beautiful... In Miss Saigon, they get a full-sized actual helicopter to fly around the stage. <laughs> For yeah. shit's sake. It's crazy. So, so this is the idea. Big sets. Big special effects, big set pieces. Also, a lot of them being family friendly, so we can get tourists in. Right, like, like this is more than a musical. This is an event, and this is something you have to see. And Cats was the first one, and these crazy ass costumes, and this big, massive set that would rotate, and special effects, and and uh, family friendly to reel in the tourists, and more glitz and glamour and spectacle than other things that might need to be in a musical, like catchy songs or uh, characters and plot. Yes. Style over substance, uh, Wicked, Miss Saigon, The Lion King, Phantom of the Opera, etc. 
Cats started it all. It was the longest-running musical until it was beaten by Phantom of the Opera. So it's a successful Broadway musical. It's not original, as we have already discussed with the album Practical Cats. Yes. Uh, It's not entirely great, but a big portion of the success of the musical Cats lies in the spectacle of seeing it live. You are in front of the actual stage and the actual actors. The stage is something you can see and touch, and it rotates, and there's special effects and a huge rotating set, and then the, the, the cat ascends to the heavy side layer. And so when you make when you get this big, massive set piece spectacle and turn it into a movie, you lose a big chunk of what makes the musical successful. There is no spectacle. The movie shows you that it's impo- that how important it is to see cats live. Because without the live aspect, without the special effects, then you have to pay attention to the plot and the acting and the music, all of which suck. Yes. So therein lies the problem with turning uh, uh, Cats into a musical. Cats you have to see live. That's the only way that it can be seen as good, is by being blown away by the um, uh, amazing spectacle of seeing this on a stage so buddy yes this brings me to my question of the week and the question is how could you make a good cats movie (sighs) my idea which i I would you would a good idea i think I, I would really think that you would have to go animated or go CG, you know, CG or something like that. Yeah. Originally, this was supposed to be an animated movie until uh, the director, who already has a Best Director Award. The guy who directed this also directed uh, the uh, movie version of Les Mis. Yeah. So... Dude already has a... The guy who made Cats has a Best Director uh, Academy Award, which is kind of sad. But (laughs) he was the one who pressed, this has to be live action. This absolutely has to be live action. We cannot do an animated movie. It has to be done live. The theater. And that, I think, is the the worst mistake uh, that they made. Because if it was animated, and it was animated well then I think that maybe this film could be a success. Question, Bunny. Yes. What if, instead of the digital fur technology, they had the weird-ass outfits that they just wear in the musical on stage? I think that that would be preferable. Yeah? Yeah, I think the look of the cats is such a fucking distraction from this movie. Okay, so, so like, you you would keep the sets, because the sets... Uh, despite the fact that the aspect ratio is really all over the place, yeah. the sets still are sort of impressive. So you keep the sets, but you lose the digital fur technology. They're wearing the outfits from the musical. Yeah, you would and, say and that's a more preferable yeah. experience. Yeah. Huh. And then I think I think there's yeah, I think definitely room there's definitely room to work on the plot and some of the characters. Like you got yeah. I don't know what his name is and I I should, 
And because I don't, we should get rid of this fucking character. You have the one cat who's like kind of the leader? Uh, it, the gray one? It, you'd never guess what his name is. Uh, you would never guess what his name is. No, I can't think I, I can't think of what his name is. What's his name? It's, it, it's, it, it's not mentioned in the musical, as far as I can tell. There are some names like that. Taylor Swift's cat is named Bomba Lorena. Yeah. And it's like, what, what the fuck? But that guy, the guy who's like the unofficial leader and he's singing in the naming of cats and all that. Yeah. His name is Monkey Strap. Monk you strap? Monk you strap. Okay, who the fuck names their cats that? A guy who was born in fucking St. Louis and ends up becoming a famous British poet is who I mean, names I, their cat Monk you strap. I, I, I can accept some of the weird cat names, okay? Yeah. Every now and then you're going to get a Mungo Jerry. Okay? Yeah. But all of them? I mean, wh- wh- where's Spot? Where's Socks? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cat names. Fun fact, every cat has at least 27 One. names. Yes. I learned that from the best. I learned that from Peter Ustinov, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, uh, you cannot blame, there are a lot of people you can blame for being in this movie. You can go, Idris Elba, why the fuck were you in this movie? Yeah. Ian McKellen, Idris Elba, I'm sorry, Idris Elba, okay, he did fine with Thor, okay? Can't really blame anybody from being in any Marvel movie, however you have to do it, okay? So, I'm fine yeah. with Thor, but bitch, you also did the <clears throat> gunslinger, okay? Oh, Jesus, I really I think it's time, mind. yeah, I really think it's time you start having a serious discussion with your representation people. Yeah. You know? You, you, you yeah. need to be fucking up your agent, okay? This is yeah. not looking good for you, you know? But you, but the whole plot itself is convoluted, and okay, okay. So, so you you and you do this every year. You okay? Have you have you considered the cat's midsummer connections here? Okay. Yeah. Every year. They have a contest in which they then basically sacrifice their most talented. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically that's basically what it is. Yeah. We just have to kind of have faith that, well, they reincarnate or do whatever these cats are supposed to do. But that's the whole point to this. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have to get a new chandelier every year? Or does that thing come I, back? That I don't know. And 
nobody notices this? Just yeah, cats nobody. know about Nobody's looked up and said, walking down the streets of Manhattan, just never looked up and said, like, why is there a fucking floating chandelier there? I think other people yeah, would pick up on this. That yeah. So that's a problem. I mean, the whole premise <laughs> is really kind of problematic. Well, let me I tell you. I would let the bad guy go. Good you cannot blame You cannot blame Judy Dench for being in this movie. You feel free to attack Rebel Wilson and James Corden and uh, Jennifer Hudson and everybody else that's in this movie. But sadly, you you kind of have to be okay with Judy Dench being in this movie. Why? Because apparently, when she was younger, she got a major. She was going to star in the London premiere of the musical Cats, but she tore, like, uh, some muscle in her leg right before uh, the premiere, and so she had to be fired from the play, and someone else took her spot. Okay. So so it's like, it's like, oh, I... I I, I hate that you're in this movie. Oh, and you? Yeah, why'd you make this movie? That's horrible. And Judy Dench, well, at least you're getting your shot. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess I, I guess. It's I like when I heard that, point. I went like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. Dench was cast in the original stage musical, but was forced to pull out due to a torn Achilles tendon. Ooh. So a, her character of Old Deuteronomy is always played by a man, but Andrew Lloyd Webber and uh, the director specifically said, what if we make this character a woman and offer her the role? And she said yes, and only because it's like, God damn it, you know, here I am, this old, and I'm finally getting a chance to do this musical again. Yeah. What fucking ringtone was that? Fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory just broke out in your fucking house. It, it was a version of the Rolling Stones, You're Out of Time, actually. Oh, okay. I was wondering. It, it sounded all like sounded all like uh, circusy. Uh, okay. Dedicating it to all the Republican congressmen. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, so that's all I've got for cats, and uh, because well, I care well, about you, Bunny, because well, I care about you and your health, I think that 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 it is safe to uh end it here to end cats here. Just just one other observation here before okay. we go, okay? Yeah, okay. Mr. Mistopheles. Okay. The Marvelous Mr. Yeah. Mistopheles. Okay. I love that. I love the song Marvelous Mr. Mistopheles, and I love the song uh, uh, The Skimble Shanks, The Railway Cat. Those are the only two songs that I really, really dig in the musical. Everything else is shit. But I don't like this version of Magical Mr. Mistopheles because it the the the. the Broadway cast version of that song, Magical Mr. Mistopheles, he's singing it confidently, like a cocky son of a bitch. Like yeah. he knows he's magic already, 
and he's going to show your ass the shit he can do. I like I acting wise. I like the version in this movie, but as a song that I would listen to, I love the original Broadway version. Yeah. I I have a problem considering him magnificent when literally the whole community has to come out and lick his invisible asshole for him to be able to fucking do bring Deuteronomy back. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I mean, that, that was some serious, hardcore, ego-stroking, yeah. the whole fucking song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I really... I really like the the uh, the original version of it. Just wanna. Uh, that, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to see. I was listening to the cast album from the 1988 yeah. cast, which I don't know. I didn't look it up, but I'm gonna imagine that that was Cats at its peak. You know. Yeah, probably. Uh. And I was like, because I was, because, because uh, after having watched this movie, well, three times now, uh, I was like, like I can't believe this is a fucking Broadway musical. This music fucking sucks. Yeah. And then I went and I listened to the cast album. I forget how far in I was up to Rump- Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. And I was like, okay, this is worse. Yeah. This is worse. And that's okay. really what's uh, getting me about this whole thing is that that it that really it's not so much that the movie is so bad, is that the fucking play is so bad. And yeah. how did we live like this for like twenty years? Okay. I I, I sent you just now what I believe to be the my preferred version of that song, Magical Mr. Mistopheles. And I think that that's a banger. Yeah. 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 I don't like any of the other versions of Magical Mr. Mistopheles, but I like the way that I, I like the way it's acted in the movie, but like, no, the song is shit the way they do it. In the- I just feel like there's some kind of Mandela effect at play here. You know, uh, it, it is, it is strange. That the most successful musical of all time is one of the worst movies of all time. Yeah. Like, like that means that one of you is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it means, right? That's that's what that means. Yeah. Yeah. If they're both based on the exact same thing, like, which one of you failed? Yeah. That that, Again, that whole leader character, because I don't think I finished that thought really. You could just completely just X him out of the whole thing. I mean, he doesn't have much to say that you could not give to another character or two. Yeah. And And have them develop a little more. And and he is sort of like the leader of the cats, but, but, and, and gets a lot of screen time. But then also, why didn't you tell us his name? 
then? If he's gotten so much screen time and all that, how come I have to look on Wikipedia to see what the character's goddamn name is? Uh-huh. Goddamn Jenny Any Dots. Jenny Any Dots, just to be clear about the naming of cats. Uh, Rebel Wilson's character, the Gumby Cat, Jenny Any Dots. That's all one word. Yes. Jenny Any Dots is her first name. Yes. That's disturbing to me. Yes, it is. Not as disturbing as it was her eating humanoid cockroaches. Yeah. I really would have liked to have been in the room where they watched that. Where the studio heads watched that. Yeah. And it's like, how can you watch that number? How can you watch that scene and still go, this will be our prestige film for 2019. <laughs> like, how do you do that? I'm so confused. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's all I've got for cats. I'm comfortable with ending it here. I was yeah. going to go for a, a, a third week of just doing cats, but I think two episodes is enough. This is an important film in American cinema, and everyone needs to watch it. Uh, possibly while high. Yes. Yeah. So next week, uh, it's March. My birthday's coming up. I just want to do movies that I like. And okay. So that's why we did. That's why we did two weeks of cats. And for our next uh movie next week, I can't believe we didn't do this already and i'm sh i am shocked that we didn't have not done this up until now but god damn it we're doing scott pilgrim versus the world all right exactly. thank god i, I after we two weeks of cats I, I think that's exactly yeah. what i need let's get exactly. into and finally do cats, scott gotta, pilgrim yeah after two weeks of cats we gotta do something good so next week we're doing scott pilgrim versus the world uh yes eleanor You want to go to the movies around my birthday? Yeah. Sure. We can go see this movie. Uh, it's about a toy. It's called Brahms, the Boy 2. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I haven't watched that. Oh, you haven't watched that movie. Yeah. There, what other movies can we go see? Uh, uh, how about we just stay at home and watch a movie? Hey, there's a kid's movie that I would love to watch with you. It's called Midsommar. It's about these friends, and they go on a trip, and they meet a bear. Doesn't that sound like a good movie? Or how about this? The Texas Chainsaw Hug. <laughs> Doesn't that sound cool? It's a kid's movie about a chainsaw that just wants to hug people through the chest. I want to go on the movie You really want to go on the with the move to the movies on my birthday? Yeah. <coughs> well, it's nice that you're invited. Oh, so yeah, it's a very sweet family friendly movie called The Invisible Man. I think you'd like that too. I'm sure that there's a movie we can go and see together. Tell me, what's, what are your thoughts on Dragon Butt stuff? Has she seen The Big Lebowski yet? 
Eleanor has not seen the Big Lebowski yet. No. Yeah, then Jesus rolls wouldn't make a connection. Yeah. Yes, Eleanor. I will go on the movies at the I want you to go on the movies on your birthday, but I'll tell you what movie you can watch at the. It's too close. Put it by the couch. What movie do you want? Do do I have to go see on my birthday? You. Yes, you and me. What movie do we have to go see? Piggy. It's called. It's called Piggy. Is it about is it about police brutality in America? Yes. Does it take a take place on an island where you're stranded with a bunch of other British boys? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what it's about. It's oh. about the Manson murders. <laughs> <laughs> so Eleanor's getting deep. <laughs> yeah. So, so next week is going to be a good episode of the podcast. But now that I'm looking back at this episode, the highs and the lows, uh, Brahms, the boy too, uh, binge watching Stranger Things, Greater Idaho, Bloodsport. I got to say, I think this has been a pretty good episode. I think this has been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I I, I I I feel the same way about this episode, but I wanted to make sure that you make that call because you're the one. But yes, I I I concur with your assessment, good sir. <laughs> so until next week, I am Bunny Williams, and I am Reverend Steve. And on behalf of Maxwell, Eleanor, Bella, Amber, Natasha, and everybody else. I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you Mewtwo's? Is that what you said, Maxwell? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm aware of who Mewtwo is. Yeah. Cut and print. Cut and print.